Welcome to On Marketing, a show where we explore marketing's first principles, mental models, and my favorite, contrarian takes. This is a space where thinking differently about marketing isn't just encouraged, it's a rule. My aim is not to tell you what to think, it's assisting you in improving how you think about marketing and life. It's January 21st, 2024. I'm Jordan Ogren, a marketing strategist by day and a podcast host by night. In today's solo episode, I cover why most content marketing fails, what macro-micro content is through a cake metaphor, how to think about creating macro-micro content, three examples of macro-micro content, and final thoughts on this topic. Ready to get in? Before we do, make sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive new episodes with extra insights delivered directly to your inbox every Friday morning. The link to join to subscribe is in the first line of the show notes. Thank you for doing that. Also, a reminder that if you're watching this on YouTube, you can listen as a podcast. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can watch me or a guest, uh, maybe not this episode, but you can watch uh, on YouTube. So however you prefer to indulge, please do so. And finally, I know if anybody gets upset at this part, this is for the legal team just to satisfy that. But finally, any opinions shared in this podcast are individual views of the hosts and guests not representing their employers or associate organizations. This content is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered professional marketing guidance. Listeners should act on the information provided at their own risk. See on the other side. We're on the other side. Before I jump into the content, though, I do want to just ask, how have you been enjoying season two so far? Have you liked the new segments? Are you liking the direction with the guests? Obviously, we're only three, four episodes in, so it's quite early. But without you listening, this podcast is useless. I'm doing this both for myself to learn, but really for any other marketers like me or other individuals that are just trying to grasp the how to think better about marketing. So please, if you have any feedback, if you have any insights, share them with me. You can find any comments contact information in the show notes because, again, you make this podcast better, so I really need your assistance. If you have a topic you want me and a guest to explore or if you think you'd be a good guest for this podcast, again, find the contact information and please let me know. Let me ask you a question. Why does most marketing, content marketing, fail? When I began my journey in 2018, the reasons for failure of content marketing were few, Why? Because most companies just weren't doing it, or if they were doing it, they were doing it in a very small level. Then you had HubSpot in 2012, so even before I started, but back then, and then they ask, you answer, a book by Marcus Sheridan. All of that started to come onto the scene, and it made many organizations begin adopting content marketing. And you could argue it was maybe content marketing V1 or V2. It was in the infancy stages, so really, just by doing it, you were able to stand out. Now, while that was very effective for companies who adopted it, most organizations today are not reaping the results of content marketing that they could. Content marketing isn't helping their business achieve their desired outcomes of why they are even starting the content marketing play. So that made me think, why? What really is behind this failure today? Back in the day, it was just simply the failure to adopt it. But today, with with more companies adopting content marketing, why does it fail? And I see three main reasons for this. Reason one, content overload. Reason two, resource constraints. And then finally, sustaining engagement. So that first reason, content overload, 
One of the big challenges with any sort of content initiative, this podcast as an example, is gaining traction, getting people to choose your episode, your blog, whatever you're doing over the others or even over the newest Netflix series. So content overload is where we're at and where we're only going with the invention of AI, generative AI, and how much more content will be created. So where we are right now is that most people have an overload of content to choose from. So as a company making very bland or average content, it's just not going to stand out, which then will result in you not doing content for a while because you'll just say it doesn't work because you haven't actually figured out how do we make it stand out? What's our unique angle? What's our POV? So that's the first reason. The second is resource constraints. Anybody who's in marketing or in a business understands this. We just don't have enough time and money to invest into it. Even if you're a marketing or a uh, an agency in that realm, it's still that kind of concept of the cobbler never has his own shoes. We we do it for our clients, we do it externally, but we we struggle to do it for ourselves. We struggle to market and content market our own organizations because it's just we just don't have enough time, we don't have enough resources. So that's the second one, and I see this happening everywhere I go. And this is a key reason why this macro micro content is very effective is it helps you do more with less resources. And then finally, sustaining engagement somewhat to the first of the content overload. It's really hard to retain audiences attention. They could go somewhere else. If you don't deliver quick enough, they'll go to a new place with content overload and with the amount of optionality today, it is so hard to sustain audiences engagement. This podcast, my own podcast, is an example of that. I started season one, gained some traction, and then took so long to do season two, and I probably lost almost all of that traction. I'm now regaining engagement, and then I'll have to retain that in the future. So a simple solution to really overcome all of these, those three reasons of why most content marketing fails, is macro-micro content. So what the hell is macro-micro content? If you know me at all, or if you've listened to this podcast just a little bit, you probably realize I'm a metaphor. I love metaphors, analogies. Anything that you can use a parable, use something else to teach a lesson is is a way that I've really found success learning about things, which then obviously I do that to things when I'm trying to teach them. So what better way to explain macro-micro content than to use a metaphor? And even better, a metaphor about cake. So imagine there's two dessert shops. Maybe you own one, but regardless, there's two dessert shops. Shop A focuses only on creating exquisite mini cakes. These mini cakes fit in your palm. They look amazing. People pay top dollar for them. And when people are buying them, that cash register just rings. The issue is you have to always create so many mini cakes every day to, to, to meet the demand. And then you also fail to capture the demand of anybody who comes in saying, I want myself a big old cake. I like your mini cakes. They look cute, but I don't want to eat 10 of these just to get a big cake. I want the big cake. You sadly have to turn them around and say, we only do the mini cakes. Now, we're not getting into value proposition and and how that actually is a pretty good business model. We're just using this as a fictional example. Shop B focuses only on normal size cakes, big old cakes, you could say. So they create these big old cakes and when the demand for mini cakes increases, people come in, they, hey, I have a party going on. I don't want a big old cake. I just want a bunch of these mini cakes. Can you help me? They have a patented cutter that can turn any big old cake into tons of mini cakes. 
So they are able to capture both the big cake demand and the mini cake demand. Now, while there are many nuances to this example, Shop A sells their cakes, their mini cakes for far more. It does illustrate how many of us approach content. Rather than focusing on creating a big cake, that then we can use a cutter to cut that up into smaller pieces to give to the people who want those small pieces, we are on this hamster wheel of creating these mini cakes over and over and over and over again. It's a new blog post this month. It's a five social media posts this month. And you're just in this hamster wheel where you gain no traction because you're having to create these things from scratch every single time. And that's really where this concept of macro and micro content comes in. Macro content is this larger cake, this larger piece of content that someone may indulge in just because they want to. Think of Joe Rogan's two and a half, three hour podcast. Someone will listen to that. But then you also have the micro content where someone shares how they saw a UFO and it's a 10 or 11 minute clip. That would be the micro piece of content. So from a two and a half, an hour, however long that podcast is, you create tons of these micro pieces of content. So just to drill down on what the definition is, macro content is comprehensive and detailed content assets that serve as cornerstones of your content strategy. Think of these as the pillars underpinning your content strategy. Some examples include podcasts, video series, or even a newsletter. This content goes deep, offering very deep and rich insights, exploring larger topics at length. And it not only stands alone, but it showcases your expertise, which the smaller piece of content just can't do. I don't know about you, but I've never read a piece of social media content and been like, she's an expert. I might have listened to her on a podcast or a video for 40, 30 minutes, and then I say, she's an expert. So macro content allows you to gain credibility and show your expertise because you can go much longer than 100 or 240 characters. I always forget where X slash Twitter is. With that, finally, micro content is quick hit, high impact content that delivers key messages in a concise format. It's designed to engage your audience swiftly, offering snapshots of the value derived from that macro piece of content. I, don't, I wouldn't call these teasers. Now, later in a different podcast, I'll get into some tips and tricks on how to create micro content that succeeds and does well. It's not a tease. My, micro content is not, we just released a blog, you should go read it. No, no, no micro content still delivers value to your audience while opening the door that, hey, if you want to learn more about this, go check out the full podcast. Go check out the full you know, 45-page guide that we've written. So some examples are quotes from podcasts and infographic from your blog or video snippets from a webinar. Using this allows people to engage with a short clip while also encouraging them to engage with the more detailed macro content for greater understanding. Again, you get to eat your cake and have it too, or you get to have your cake and eat it too, sticking with our metaphor. Now, what you're probably thinking is, how the hell do I do this, Jordan? Okay, before I share how to do that, I do want to touch on some of the dynamics of the team that are required. First off, we need to we need to kind of get ourselves into this mindset that no one person can do this. I even, just with this podcast and with my own stuff, just struggle to get the clips out or whatever because it's hard to be a one-person show. So again, just keep that in mind that while you could try to do this all by yourself, you're going to need some level of a team behind you. 
And this leads to the four skill sets that I believe, and many others, Chris Walker of Refine Labs kind of pioneered this, but I believe there's four skill sets a team needs to be able to do content well, but especially macro content. So that first skill set or person is a subject matter expert, an SME. These people are essential for generating the insights and thoughts that resonate with your audience. Number two is the architect. This person is responsible for building the frameworks, integrating content creation, post-production, and distribution. Think of them like the conductor of the orchestra. Number three is the distributor. This person, this skill set is somewhat undervalued, but as I like to say, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears about it, it probably didn't actually fall. So the distributor is focused on delivering the content to the audience in an engaging manner that resonates with whatever platform it's being distributed on. And then the fourth and final piece, skill set person is the creative, the person who packages the content for distribution. And this is including all the post-production tasks, whether that's a graphic designer turning a quote into a really pretty graphic, or it's somebody who can edit the podcast. Now, remember with AI, this, this skill set is becoming, I would say, a little bit less important because personally I use Opus Clips to chop up my podcast. So really, you're starting to realize you might, you might be able to outsource this a lot easier than you can for the other skill sets. So just to go into these skill sets a little bit deeper, but really you're going to want to go to the content guide, which I didn't mention and I should have mentioned at the beginning, but this is all wrapped into a large on content strategy guide in chapter four or chapter five, excuse me, is all about macro micro content. So everything I'm talking about here is in there and even more. So if you want to go deeper into the team roles, please do. But I do just want to touch a little bit on each one. So the subject matter expert Right now, clearly I'm doing a solo episode, so I would be that role, but really my guests are that role. So if you don't have a subject matter expert in your organization or your subject matter expert just doesn't want to get on camera, you can use your guests as that subject matter expert. Now, the issue is, is as a host, if I was interviewing someone on biology, even just how I phrase that shows that I have no clue what I'm talking about, I wouldn't be the best host because I couldn't ask the right question. So that is why I'm still able to bring guests on my podcast as subject subject matter experts because I have enough acumen to be able to ask them the questions that give my audience the value. So it doesn't need to be internal, but it definitely helps when you have that internal. The architect, this is where I see myself bringing the most value, but it's a person who's able to see how could we use this conference, this event, this uh, meeting to be able to distribute it all over. So they're the one kind of thinking higher level on how does this podcast turn into a blog, into an XYZ, a newsletter, a welcome email series, all of those things. This is the architect's job. The distributor is as simple as that, but as complicated as understanding all of the different platforms that you're going to distribute to. So this skill set does not need to know every single platform though, as much as I just said that. They only need to know the platforms you're going to distribute on. So if you're only going to distribute on TikTok, LinkedIn, and Facebook, you don't need to know Instagram. You don't need to know X. You don't need to know those other ones of how to best distribute it. And that's a key thing is you can't just chop up a clip and go put it on another platform. You have to understand how does that platform work and distribute it in a way that works well. And then finally, the creative. This one's pretty simple. It's a person who makes the packaging for 
the content that is distributed, both the macro piece, the actual podcast or the video or whatever that isn't as hard, but those clips, those quotes, those smaller pieces, this creative leads the designing and all of that. So those are the four skill sets. You can easily have someone play multiple skill sets, but I would argue you would have to have at minimum two people. I think, again, one person doing all four of those is very challenging. Even if you're bringing guests on as a subject matter expert, one person doing three roles is just really difficult. So wanted to briefly touch on that. But like I said, in the guide, you can go deeper and tr- truly kind of grasp what, what are those roles and where do you fit in it and how do you build a team around it? Now, the part you've been waiting for, how do we create it? First, before you even think about this, you need to be tying your content to content pillars. In that guide that I referenced, there is a full chapter, chapter four on content pillars. This is just to make sure your content is even about stuff your audience cares about. So do that first, and then we get to move on to, okay, now you want to realize how do we get more ROI from the content we're producing? How do we not run into constraints? How do we sustain the engagement? All of those things that cause content marketing to fail. And that is using one big piece of content. Now, before I go further, there's a hack here. Video is critical in this process. As I'm doing, I mean, I do a podcast, but it's on video. The reason it's on video is because video is able to turn into clips much easier than audio. I personally used to do purely a audio only podcast at my previous job. The issue was that with that was is all we could do was use a kind of quote unquote audiogram. So you maybe have a picture of the podcast or even the person and you have like the audio waves going. Sure, that's cool and all, but they don't do well. At least for me, I've never had success using an audiogram or purely audio only clips. They struggle to do well, and that's why video is very critical in this process. Even if you're doing a podcast, I'd highly, highly recommend using video. And that's just not my own personal uh, preference. That's what many of the other great podcasters suggest is if you're going to do a podcast, please, please record it. So now that we got that out of the way, we need to get into the three mediums of content before you even think about what is the macro piece of content I want to do. Let's just remember there's only three ways of creating content. One, written word, newsletter, articles, white papers. Two, video. This could be a vlog. This could be a webinar. This could be video-led podcasts. And finally, audio, which is mostly podcasts, but also could be like pre-recorded messages if you have a, you know, call this number toll-free or whatever. There's many ways you could start to think about audio as content, but really it's only those three mediums. So when it comes down to your macro content, you have to decide out of those three, which do I want to do? And that comes to your strengths. I would highly recommend taking an inventory of what are you good at? Are you good at speaking fluently? Do you have a pretty face? Do you have a good external representation of yourself? I hate to say it, but look at a lot of the people on some social media channels that are succeeding. They don't look ugly. Let's just leave it at that, right? So maybe you have a strength in that, maybe a God-given strength, but really think about where do you bring the most value? Do you write really well? If you write really well, then maybe you might want to really think hard of how you could use a written word as your macro content. Now, one final note on this is do not allow your strengths to inhibit your ability to do something that's on the coming edge, quote unquote. So video and audio, right? Those are on the, if they're not already here, they're right on the horizon. So if you're really good at writing, for example, let's say like you're a copywriting agency. So you're like, why would we do anything other than writing? Let's do a really high impactful newsletter. Great idea. 
But the issue is, is if you're not doing video or audio, you're going to start to lose in the future when really a lot of these platforms become somewhat heavily video and audio led. I believe that. I know writing will never leave. As a strong writer myself, I do fully believe that you need to understand how to do video and audio well. So do not allow your strengths to inhibit it, but do please lean into those strengths. Now, to help you understand how people have gone about creating their macro content, I want to share two real-world examples, and then I'm going to show you share one that I'm just going to be spitballing, so hopefully it goes in a good way, but maybe not. We'll see. The first example that I want to jump into is Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm going to be completely honest. He is the individual who put me onto this early on. It was probably back in 2016 or whichever. I was at uh, Bay College, Community College, Upper Peninsula of, of Michigan, and a friend, Stephen Lippold, shout out to you if you're listening. He put me onto Gary Vaynerchuk. At that time, it was more on this hustle, but I didn't realize that at that point, he was doing these video daily vlogs. He called them, uh, I think he called them daily V series or something like that, where he would create a video every day. So maybe it was just a very boring day of tons of meetings with clients. So you'd have a little bit where he'd talk and do it, or maybe he gave a keynote. So that video would be all about that keynote. Now, Gary, again, you have to realize Gary Vaynerchuk has been doing video since like 2006, he started Wine Library TV. So going back to those strengths, right? Gary Vaynerchuk, he knew he's great on video. He draws people in, he cusses a ton, he does things that get people to pay attention. So what he does is he creates these big videos, maybe a 45-minute keynote, 30-minute video, and then he cuts that into a Facebook reel, a LinkedIn post, a YouTube short, a Instagram reel, I'm all over the map with the correct terminology here on those. But again, he took one video and chopped it into all of these formats. If he's on a different podcast, he'll do the exact same play where he'll take five, however many top clips from that podcast he was on and post them onto his own channel. So Gary Vaynerchuk, one of the best at this and probably one of the originators of this concept. So please, if you want to see it in action, go check him out. I would be careful with some of his advice. You don't need to produce 100 pieces of content a day, but sometimes with this model, you could. So check him out if you want more insights on that. Another example is Ramlee John's Marketing Power-Ups Podcast. Sorry about butchering the name. I'm horrible with names. So he has a podcast, Marketing Power-Ups. Each week or every other week, not exactly sure, he interviews someone. From the interview, he creates this insanely detailed newsletter or blog article with some extras for the subscribers. And I was appalled at the amount of depth that this goes into. But then I listened to his podcast of 45 minutes with a guest and he, he goes in all these super deep areas. So it just only makes sense that he takes all of those great insights that him and the guest draw out and puts them into his newsletter or puts them into a blog. So rather than creating a newsletter and doing the podcast, you know, separately, he does them together where he does the podcast and the podcast is that macro piece that kicks out all of these micro pieces. So while I think that's a good strategy, maybe that isn't right for you. This kind of audio podcast, video podcast strategy, or with Gary Vaynerchuk, just recording yourself daily. Not everybody's in that boat. So that's where I'm going to take a pretty wild a run here at an example of a written word macro piece of content. So my brain goes in two quick places for this. One is creating very large guides or 
trend reports, quote unquote. Think of maybe a white paper. So this would be your macro piece of content. It could take you a month, two, three months to create this. Once you create it, then you use, let's say you interviewed 10 people, 10 CMOs for the trends of 2024. Then from that, you would create, whether it be one carousel of all of their quotes or a bunch of different posts that goes deeper into their content that they shared in that. So that would be one way that you could really structure a larger, I don't even want to say like a magazine, but kind of like a quarterly or bi-monthly guide or something that large. And then from that, you create tons of assets. You record a video of yourself talking about it. That's something that I think a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity. And I talk about in a few episodes, lo-fi content, but you create a written word, you do something like that, bring in video just to talk about it. While that's not technically this chopping up from a mini cake because you're just creating cake out of nowhere. Don't ask me. I'm not a physicist. I don't know how that works, but that's one way that you can kind of create something new, but you're really basing it off of that macro piece of content. Without the macro, you have no micro video of you talking about, hey, check out our 2024 trends for coders and make sure to listen to Steve-O and his comments. Like that is a great way to kind of make it go further. Now, another example could be a newsletter. This is going to get a little tricky because I typically see newsletters being decently good at the opposite. So you would put things from your macro piece of content in it. That's somewhat what my newsletter is from my podcast. I bring insights in. I have some original content, so it's not purely that, but that would be an option. You create a weekly newsletter and in your newsletter, you have segments. Maybe you have like an opening quote, or for me, I use three quotes from the three books I'm reading. So that then from your newsletter becomes a micro piece of content that week that you can share. So you can start to see all I'm doing is writing my weekly newsletter. And from that weekly newsletter, I have three, four, five clips or pieces of content that come out of it. And I could then have a video where I even welcome the newsletter or I touch deeper onto it. So while not purely the macro micro content that I've been talking about, I think it does a really good job of leveraging your strengths as a writer. If you wanted to do a newsletter or maybe you're like a journalist and you get a lot of input from others, that's a way to leverage that skill strength and still think in this terms of how can we make more from less quote unquote. Final thoughts. I truly believe content marketing is only going to grow in importance with the invention or introduction of AI. While you might think that's the opposite, it'll become less important and less valuable because everybody can do content at scale. I think as humans, we're going to yearn for human content that helps us make progress on what matters to us. And that's where macro content stands out. It's so hard to be human in a three paragraph, three sentence social media post. It's a lot easier to be human in a video podcast with your CEO, with a founder. So I truly believe that content marketing is only going to rise in importance and effectiveness if you're able to do it correctly. So that's why I believe using macro micro content for content marketing is the new way and will only grow in relevancy and adoption, which means you better adopt this before your competition does because you can use it as a competitive advantage to begin creating tons of content assets that then can live longer. Uh, seven episode podcast series can really help your prospects and customers make progress while you're sleeping rather than a social media post that, again, let's be honest, most social media posts from companies are garbage. So this allows you to stand out with your content marketing. 
Finally, remember, all of this that I just talked about is in a guide on content strategy guide, chapter five, which goes in depth on macro micro content. So please check that out. And in future episodes, there's pieces within that chapter that I didn't touch on today that I will go into. Some of those are secrets to creating um, good micro content, how to do the opposite. How can you create a macro piece of content from tons of micro pieces of content? Whoa, brain blown. Think of the hub spoke model where you create tons of these smaller assets and then they create a larger guide. That's kind of what I did personally with some of these, these guides that I've been writing. So make sure to check that out in the future because I'm going to go more in depth in future seasons on all of this. But again, Find the link in the in the show notes to this guide so you can go deeper trying to gain more insights and, and help you make progress wherever you're at in your content marketing journey. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate it and I hope to see you back next time. This is the end of the podcast. Thank you for making it this far. It really means the world to me that you listened, you viewed for that long. I appreciate it. I hope you got something valuable from the episode. If you did, make sure to hit that thumbs up. Make sure to subscribe so you can get the newest episodes every time delivered right to you. Hit that bell. Whatever they got on whatever platform you're on, make sure you can get that newest episode because that's my goal is to continually bring you new marketing and life advice, guidance, and tips so that we can both be making progress in marketing and life together. That's the goal. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the newsletter, it's in the first line of the show notes. Please click that so you, every Friday you can get the newest episodes, new insights, and new book quotes as I read them. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope to see you again next week or next year or next month or whenever you can tune in again. Thank you for listening.